Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. of the Athletic Football Show. the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today for our second episode of In the Pocket, it's Chase Daniel. Chase, how you doing, man? What's going on? What's going on? Busy week, busy week, a lot to talk about, but I'm glad to be here. I can't believe it's already our second episode. It seemed like uh, it's like the fourth or fifth, but only number two, baby. Number two, for people unfamiliar with the show, this is our chance on the Athletic Football Show feed to chat all things NFL quarterbacks. Chase played in the league for 14 years, bunch of different coordinators, bunch of different teams, tons of perspective, and we've got a lot to get to and a lot of perspective to share today because it was a action-packed week in the quarterback world. And let's start with a little bit of news kind of coming off of the week that was. We started recording shortly after Justin Fields finished up his press conference today at Hallis Hall. And he came out and said, I'm going to be playing more free, playing like me. I'm playing way too robotic. And when asked why he thought some of that robotic elements of his play kind of creeped in really during his career in Chicago, but specifically last week, He hesitated and then just said, coaching. And after that said, you know, I understand they have jobs to do and they're supposed to tell me where to look. But at the end of the day, I just got to play. So I want to dig into that and dig into everything that is currently happening with the Chicago Bears offense. So first and foremost, your reaction to hearing that and his response when asked that question today. Um, (laughs) Truthful. To say the least, um, it, it was something that when I saw it, obviously it went viral on Twitter. We're recording this on a Tuesday. It's going to be talked about for the rest of the week because, or sorry, we're recording this on, yeah, what, 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 what day Wednesday. is it? Wednesday? Recording Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. we're recording on Wednesday. So it's the first media. See, I'm, I'm everywhere. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, first media availability for them. And honestly, it sounded like it was something he needed to get off his chest. Almost like, hey, and, and listen, I get it, but... The, those conversations when you're one of 32 people in the world that does what you do, and that means quarterbacking a franchise, it's the hardest position in all of sports. I don't care what anyone says. It's not even close. There's a lot of pressure on guys to perform a certain way. A lot of weightiness, if that makes sense, to carry Especially cities. in that town, man franchises especially for that town i mean you know you know right you're 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 a fan you love the you love the team and and it's something to me that i just feel like he he needed to say and when he said it i was i was watching i was like oh all right like but i also sort of applaud like like maybe it is coaching because i've had i've had coaching at some stops before where it's been over coaching and there's a fine line when you're, especially when you're talking to a quarterback where you want him to be himself, but you also want him to play within the offense, but you also want him to do what you're telling him to on this play against cover two or cover four or man. And we can get into the game and just watching the game. 
just watching the game. I watched it a few times because I just I wanted to get through it because it looked like it it looked like he said he was like it looked like he was being robotic. And that's you can't you can't play the you can't play the game like that in this league right now at all because for a few reasons the main reason is that you got to be who you are like that was something Andy Reid always used to tell the team in team meetings and he was short sweet to the point and it's something that I really appreciated about him was he was always honest and he said listen you know there's going to be lines drawn on paper and there's going to be some guys that got to got to run the lines on routes on paper and there's going to be some guys that Travis Kelsey Tyreek Hill when he was there like hey here's a line here's what we think you should do but like just just do what just do what you think because that's what makes you the player you are and it seems to me and I talk about this all the time as quarterback you have to live in the gray you can't everything <laughs> On Sunday isn't black and white, meaning the coaches and Luke Getze and the quarterback coach and whoever's running that offense over there, everyone, you can't say, hey, on this play, we're going to throw it here because this guy is for sure going to be open. It's not like that. It's not like that. You've got to use your uh, ability, your um, playmaking skills, just understanding when the pocket's breaking down to get out. Like you got to be yourself. And that is what Andy Reid always says, like, be you. That was his message. Like, be you. That's all you got to do. And Justin Fields, for the first two games, obviously he told it yourself. He wasn't being himself. Let's try to do some diagnostics here after you went back and rewatched the game a few times. And this is difficult to do. It's difficult to extricate whose fault is this, whose fault is this, especially when things are going as poorly as they are. But if you're trying to divvy this up, where would you start with what's wrong with the Bears offense right now? Um, well, okay. This is all, this is all Justin Fields notes because I, I, I did this for you more than anything. And, and I got a good feel for it, but like where I would start with it being wrong is it's just looks like they're, they're in an offense that doesn't fit Justin Fields. If I'm being completely honest, they're in an offense that doesn't fit Justin Fields at the end of the day. You know, there's a lot of different pockets we can go into. But I was watching the game. Okay, they only got 55 plays on offense the entire game, which is way below league, league average. League average is 65 plays. So they got you know 12% less plays than normal. <clears throat> only 22 plays in the first half. 22 pl- I've had a 22-play drive in college. <laughs> one drive. Okay, they got seven plays. I broke this down because I'm like, just follow me here. Seven plays in the first quarter. And it was a seven-play touchdown drive. They got one drive in the first quarter. Like, first of all, how how in the world do you get into a rhythm as a quarterback? And let me tell you, you don't. Because I'm always one like, hey, let me get hit. Let me throw a couple completions. Let me have some plays. Let me get on the field for a 10, 12-play drive. Obviously, you know, big plays are, you know, can cut those drives in, in half. But, man, he looked great. Like, he looked awesome on the first drive. You go down. And the first play of the game, heavy play action, dagger route to DJ Moore into cover two, like perfect play call, perfect placement. It looked like they had been, you know, thrown to each other for five years. Perfect. He spins out of it. Big play. And then later in the drive, they're facing a third and three in, in Tampa. Tampa blitzed the crap out of them. Like, uh, and Tampa doesn't necessarily blitz that much, but they were bringing it. 
And they brought a pressure that I really hadn't seen in a long time. And so, you know, they weren't ready for it. But Justin just knew where to go with the ball, threw a little flat route to DJ Moore, and he turned it up. I'm like, just throw, the deep, just throw that guy every single time. <laughs> and they ended up scoring, and he ended up carrying the ball and having a rushing touchdown, I think, on the first drive, like seven mm-hmm. plays. They didn't get the ball back till like, I mean, literally 14 minutes left in the second quarter. And so you can't get into a rhythm. And I say that because it comes back to like, they're in personnel groupings that I'm just like, why aren't you in shotgun, spread it out? Like run, run Miami Dolphins offense, which we'll get to later. Run the Chiefs offense because that is who Justin Fields is. That's who he probably wants to be. And honestly, like this press conference this morning that we were listening to, like I'm now I'm sort of excited to, to see how he plays because he's like, all right, listen, if it's coaching that I think is ruining my career, like I ain't going to have that no more. Like I'm going to go play and play free. And that's what makes a scary quarterback in my opinion. Yeah. They had, I think 16 of their 45 runs this year, like running back runs have been under center, which doesn't make a ton of sense when you look at the quarterback skill set and what he can give you in the quarterback run game. He's only had four or five design runs the entire season after what they did last year in the quarterback run game, which I, I'm curious how much of this is, them saying, we want to see if he can sink or swim in a quote-unquote more normal, traditional offense. And if we Why would you say that? Why, but why? I, don't, I, have, I don't think there's any validity to that, but that's what it yeah. feels like. Because they're Man. going so far away from what was working for them in the second half of last year and seemingly <sighs> kicking back into what they did over the first four or five games when things looked like a disaster. And yeah. I, beyond the quarterback run game, I, I'm curious when you watch them, it's difficult for me to pin down, but just the way progressions work in that offense and all of like the pure progression stuff he needs to do, they're asking him to do so much above the neck in that offense, when in reality, it just feels like they should be tightening and narrowing the scope that he has to play in instead of widening it. But at the same time, they've thrown the ball short of the sticks more than any team in the NFL this year. So they're asking him to not do a lot in some circumstances, but then asking him to do everything you ask high-level quarterbacks to do in other circumstances. I just don't know how all the pieces are supposed to fit together when you watch the offense as one cohesive thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree a little bit that they're they're probably having him do some stuff, but I'm watching the game and it's not it's not from an NFL quarterback perspective who's been in multiple offenses through 14 years. It's not it doesn't look like a difficult offense and one that he's not making, he's not making, he's not controlling all the protections. He's not doing it. Like, I, I feel like they're almost trying to make it a little bit easier on him, actually. Okay. In terms of just, and the biggest thing to me was like, he's just, he's, he's not getting through progressions. And anytime that you just look at one, and then hold the ball and and rarely get to two, like you're going to have a lot of sacks. And he's got the most sacks since not even close since 2021 that he's held the ball, held the ball for four plus seconds. Okay, four seconds to throw a football as an NFL quarterback is an eternity. And and I thought and I, you know, he took four. How many sacks? He took six sacks in 55 plays, and maybe one of those sacks was on the O line. I mean, I thought the O-line actually played pretty well. Um, you know, run game was struggling getting going because of stuff they were doing up front with Tampa. But I thought that they played played really well up front. And and so that's just me like, hey, like, bro, if, if you're only going to get 
through one progression. If you're don't just stand back there in the pocket and run around, like just take off. And it's, it's much easier said here than on the field because you don't know what's being coached and you don't know what's being told to that young man. And so I sort of feel him and I sort of feel like he's going to, I mean, it, it reminds me, I mean, you hit it right on. Like it reminds me of early in the year last year of their offense, like trying to be somebody they're not. And then they finally open it up and yeah, everyone knows the QB run game, but I, I feel like he just played better overall <laughs> in the gun, moving faster, quick hitters. Um, and, and it comes down to me that game against new England. Cause I was on Monday night final game day final on NFL network. And I'm sitting there watching the game and I'm thinking just like probably everyone in America, like, Oh man, the Patriots are going to just smack them. You know, and then he comes out and it's completely different offense in terms of like running the ball, screen, draw. He's running around. Like to me, that was the big, like, hey, this is what the offense is going to be moving forward. Like my question, and I, who knows, like, why didn't they start it off this year in that? Because he's been in that offense. Like it just, it doesn't look like they're clicking at all right now. When you watch somebody who's not trusting the things that he's seeing, he's not letting things loose. He's not playing free in the way that you'd want him to. If you're in that quarterback room, if you're a quarterback coach, what advice is there for somebody that's in that state right now? Because you watch some of those stretches, the play that everyone's seen a bunch of times right now, I'm sure on the football internet, he has Roshan Johnson coming up to see him. He has two guys wide open. He doesn't throw it to either of them. He eats a terrible sack. Two plays later, he eats arguably an even worse sack to potentially push them out of field goal range where he's just frozen in the pocket. So is that what... How does that get fixed? How does that get better? Because it almost feels like if you're doing more coaching, potentially you're making it worse based on what Justin yeah. Fields just said and everything that we've seen so far. Yeah, the the sequence you're talking about, and I have it, I've written down: play 19, play 20, play 21, and play 22. Might have been the worst four stretch plays I've seen in a while from a quarterback. Where on play 19. There's a wide open dagger, just doesn't get through it. He doesn't he doesn't get through his progression. His number two in his progression doesn't get through it. Play 20, obviously the seam. It's like a little all-go special that's wide open. And 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 I will come to his defense there because I've been in that situation on the exact same play. Is he saw the receiver get hemmed up, get bumped by the nickel, and then free releases. He was on him right away, which I have. And as soon as you see him get like that, you're like, oh, I have no idea if he's going to get through clear. I would just say, hey you just probably need to take a deeper drop to let the play, you know, come to length. Um, and yeah, 21, he was, sp he was sped up play 21. It was like a little out route to the left and then spacing. He had a guy over the ball, um, you know, wide open. And then play 22 was the, obviously the strip sack. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, if I'm, if I'm a quarterback coach, in that room, I, I would just go back to like fundamentals and just be like, dude, like, just be yourself. Like, here's what we're going to tell you. Like, I would even try on some, some of these things. Like, don't even worry about getting to number three. Like, like, like just, you got to be able to see, it's almost like the, was it Sam Darnold on Monday night football that said, man, I'm seeing ghosts, mm -hmm. right? It was him. And that was like a, and I'm not saying that that's what Justin is. I'm just saying whatever they're doing in the offense, it just doesn't look like there's a, it doesn't look like there's a knowledge of the offense there that maybe should be, or maybe it's not getting coached right. Right. It's like one of two things, like, what is it? And so I think with a guy like that, who is, you know, maybe just wants to play free. Like if you have 
50 play 50 pass plays in the offense on any given game, which it's a lot more than that. I would shrink it to 30 and be like, here's a 30. You're going to master it. We're going to work on these concepts. We're going to, instead of changing concepts every game, which I don't think they're doing like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to formate these, 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 uh, concepts differently. We're going to personnel out these concepts differently. Like those are all things that they're obviously working on because listen, they, they see the tape and they know it. And that's probably what they're working on. And, I mean, it does. The test honestly doesn't get any easier against KC coming up because, in my opinion, KC's got top three, four defense right now in the, in the league. Have you been in situations like this on offense where you can just kind of feel the mistrust on both sides? The quarterback doesn't trust the play caller. Play caller doesn't trust the quarterback, and you kind of feel it unraveling like that. No, never, never. And and, I, and I've been lucky because I've been, you know. 14 years of that. I mean, there was a few years that we just got started. Like we had, we had arguably the best offense in the history of offenses in terms of yards, points per game, all these stats. I don't know. In 2011 saints, like it was one of the best offenses of all time, just pure yardage standpoint and point standpoint. And we started, I think we started two and two that year. And we were still trying to figure out, I say this all the time, we're still trying to figure out who we are in an, who we are as an offense, what are we doing, yada, yada, yada. And that was the year Sean Payton got hurt, broke his leg on the sideline against Tampa. We, we lost that game. We're 2-2. Two two. I think we scored 19 points or 18 points. And it was just like, oh, man, like, what are we doing? Like, this is awful. Because we're like, we're the Saints. Like, we should be – we've been – won a Super Bowl in 09. We got upset in beast quake mode in 2010. And then 2011, we're like huge. I mean, we got the best defense we've had, we think. And – just wasn't going off right. And then we played Indianapolis on Sunday night football or Monday night football. Pete Carmichael, first time play caller. We put up a 60 burger on, on the Colts and we were like, Oh, this <laughs> is who we are. And we reeled off like 12 straight, bro. Like, or 13 straight. Like it was nuts. It was crazy. So you never know when it's going to click, but they just got to, they got to find stuff he's comfortable with. And I, and I don't know if, if they're letting him like speak up, in the quarterback room or if they say, Hey, Justin, what do you like? Because in situations like this, I would tend to just go, Hey, Justin, what do you feel comfortable with? And let's just build it completely around you because you are the guy. Like there's no, you're not going to bench him. There's no way you're benching this guy. Like he's got, he, he showed the progression that he had last year and how he played. And, and everyone thought he was going to take a Jalen hurts type progression this year. And, and I mean, listen, it's early sample size. We could be talking week 10, like, oh my gosh, look at Justin Fields, but it's too early in the season to tell. So you think there is a potential path out of this? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a path out of everything. You just got to have a good plan for it. Right? Like that's, that's what my dad told me in life. Like there's a path out of everything and it, it, no bigger than, than football. Like it's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. It's going to be not an easy road and it's not just going to come overnight without working at it. Like you got to work at it. You got to figure out ways. You got to have everyone on board with brainstorming ideas. This is what we think we should do. And that's, I mean, listen, they're, they're one of 32 teams. They're doing that right now. They they are absolutely doing that. So, so for fans out there that think, Oh, we're just like tanking and we stink and we do all this, like shut up. Like, no, the dudes are trying so hard in the building right now. Like, believe me, the effort is there. They just got to put the, the the results on the field. So you think shrinking the overall menu and just making sure that everything you're putting in is stuff that he feels good about and is driven by his tastes, his preferences, his strengths. That's the way to kind of get this going back in the right direction. I think I think you'll see his play skyrocket if, if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. 
building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's move on. Another struggling offense here. We wanted to spend at least some time on our first couple shows breaking down one of the rookie quarterbacks because there are several big name ones. And we want to chat about Bryce Young. They just played in national TV. Their offense is struggling right now. They're 29th in EPA per play, 29th in success rate. They just have not been very good on that side of the ball so far this year in his first couple starts. I'm curious, first impressions just after watching him and rewatching that game for Monday night? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, listen, it's not an easy task <laughs> against New Orleans because they are all over the place. They so look ridiculous the, right now. I, I, I watched, they're they're yeah, playing with one brain on the back end of that defense. It's crazy. It, it just how they're in rhythm and just like timing and different. I mean, they threw a lot. They threw a lot at Bryce Young, and they usually aren't that heavy post snap, pre snap. But you saw it, right? There was a mm-hmm. bunch of this. Show you single high, go to two high, two invert, some pressure. The patented Dennis Allen, like it's called Shake Silver. You're bringing two from one side, two to another, and so. The game plan, I mean, I watched it with a grain of salt because I'm like, listen, the Saints haven't allowed 20 or more points in like 12 games. It's like some crazy record, right? Like it's it's nuts. So, but I did think he played, I mean, he played he played fine. It's so hard to tell. Like I go back and like I can break down the stuff and and I will, but like I just go back and think about like me as a rookie. And me as a rookie quarterback. And what I knew even in my second or third year than I did my rookie year like you can only do so much coaching. Like it's got to come from experience. It's got to come from failure. And so that's how I sort of watched the game. He looks small out there. <laughs> he looks, he looks, he looks smaller than what he weighed in at the combine. You know, my first impression was like, why, why is there so much pistol and gun? Um, they put him under center a little bit. They even brought Andy Dalton in for two plays, one false start, one play on third and one because he's too short, too thin to, you know, sneak it. Like, so all that stuff, like I get it. And, and, um, it just, it, it just seems like, you know, he made some throws now he made, he made some throws, but I just think that you don't really have a number one receiver, right? So that, like you have Adam problem, Thielen. Right? When you yeah, watch them like, play there, you watch yeah. the bears game. There are guys open, you know, there are guys open in that bears box game that Justin Fields yeah. just misses. In the, the Saints Panthers game, you go back and rewatch that thing. It's not like he's turning down open throws left and right. No. There is nobody open. And whether that's yeah. a problem of the team you're playing against in the competition, the receiving talent on your team, or offensive design and structure, we can talk about. But in the end, there were not a lot of people with a lot of space in that game for Bryce Young. No, and and honestly, I think a lot of it has to deal do with like New Orleans, just how they pattern match and how it's taught mm-hmm. in that defense. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you saw you at least in the game, you saw a bunch of three step, quick game, five step, just trying to get them get the ball out, move some run game stuff, and it was working. But I mean, these like stick routes that are usually somewhat open are being contested, and so that's why the numbers the numbers don't look great. You know, he made a few great throws. He made it through bonehead throws. You know, I think he had what two sacks, fumbles, or sack fumble. You know, what I was really impressed more so with with anything was just his pocket movement. I thought it was really good because that that O line struggled against that pass rush, and I think that pass rush is really special. Just overall group of the four guys up front, I think they're really special. Cam Jordan still got it, which is super impressive. I mean. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis are old dudes still rolling, man. Like it's impressive to watch, and I thought I thought that he did a really good job just in the pocket, just getting around some stuff and moving up. And even if it's not complete, like throwing, like that's you can't like you can't teach that. Like I when I was in New Orleans with with Breeze, um, the first practice I ever saw him, I was just like. Of course, throw it, whatever. But I was just like, man, the dude just like has a knack for just barely moving in the pocket, moving up just like six inch steps. And not, you see some of these guys like go all these out and you're out of control and the fundamentals get, get out of whack. But I thought he did a really good job at that. Um, just some rookie mistakes. I mean, you know, he does a good job and this is something I said about him. This is something I said about him coming out when I was on doing some stuff on info network during draft stuff I was like, the dude is small, but he doesn't really get hit. And he doesn't really take like head-on hits in the pocket. Like he's very slippery with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, he needs to work on his sliding too. I, like I was impressed with his speed, but like that slide, that that slide that he had after that big <laughs> run was really bad. Really, there really were a bad. couple throws where the release is so impressive. He had a boot to the left side where he's on the move and he just lets that thing rip. And I was like, oh my goodness. And that's there, my best throw of the game. I was like, I literally have it. I'm like, the over route on the naked was amazing. It, it was beautiful. And he had another one yeah. too. I can't remember exactly the situation, but where he just kind of lets the ball rip. But there's, again, aren't that many guys open. And I think no. that's twofold potentially. So I wanted to ask you this offense is comprised of a coaching staff from very disparate backgrounds. You know, that was the selling point is that. Frank Reich wasn't friends with Thomas Brown. He didn't know Josh McCown. They're all coming in here as this all-star coaching staff, but there isn't a lot of shared history between them. And I'm assuming it's going to take a while for them to kind of distill what they want to be offensively when you consider that. Have you ever been in a situation like that where it's early in the season or it's even during training camp and the staff is from a bunch of different places and kind of filtering it down to the base ideas of what the offense is going to be is kind of a struggle and has some hangups? Yeah, I mean, I've never been a part of it, like the staff uh, difference, but I have been a part of like, like I could just go back to 2013 and Andy Reid's first year in Kansas City coming from Philly. He takes Matt Nagy with him to be his quarterback coach, who was on the staff, but offensive assistant analyst. Mm -hmm. And then Doug Peterson, who was quarterback coach. So, and then he was the offensive coordinator in KC that year. So, so different, same staff, but different job positions if that makes sense which also honestly makes like a little bit of a difference and it reminded me a lot of that when I saw the offense because we didn't we had like Dwayne Bow out there at receiver running like a four eight like no separation so it reminded me like a lot of like was that, that the season where there was the Chiefs did not throw a passing touchdown to a wide receiver that was that was 14 that was 14 that was 2014 yeah. and I Dwayne Bow caught a little arrow route 
on just tangent here real quick on the last, I played the very last uh, game of the year in 2014 against charge. We had to win to get in and then also like have some help. We didn't have the help, but we ended up winning. And that stat was like in the back of my mind, we threw a little arrow route to Dwayne bow and Dwayne bows going in the, in the, in the, into the end zone. And I'm not even excited that I'm throwing a touchdown. I'm excited. Like, Oh my gosh, we were, we were never the first team to go the entire year without a receiver <laughs> catching a touchdown. And bro, he's falling. And I'm, I'm telling you, he's this far. And as he's falling, he gets knocked from the back. The ball flies up and Jamal <laughs> Charles falls on it in the end zone. I'm like, do I, do, does that count as a touchdown to a receiver? And they're like, no, you guys suck. No touchdowns to receivers. Like funny story like that. But no, we didn't end up doing that. But that was, that was actually the first year we started nine and zero in 2013 going back to that, which our offense, I don't know if we averaged 18 points a game during that. Like we won some close games because of our defense. And it took like eight or nine games for the whole staff to really get on to like, here, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to be really good at. Jamal's going to become like our number one guy. We can feature Dwayne Bow more in the slot because it's less man coverage. So I think that's what that staff, I say all this, really long-winded answer, but I say all this because that staff's working through it, especially with a um, all new, like it's, it's brand new, like everyone's new there, including the quarterback, which makes it even more difficult when it's a rookie quarterback. What does a rookie quarterback do? What can we do? How much stuff can we put in? All that, all that stuff goes in. Have you been, I was going to ask you if you've been, but you, ha, you, ha, you have had some experience with this. When you're on a team where there's kind of a lack of receiving talent and a lack of juice on the outside, which when you watch this team, you can feel it immediately. Yeah. They don't have a lot of speed. They don't have a lot of explosiveness. It's so It pops off the screen when you watch the offense. What are the tangible effects for a team and a quarterback when you don't have those sorts of threats on the outside? How does your process as a passer have to change? Well, <clears throat> you're going to get a lot more man coverage. And you're going to get a lot more press coverage because if without speed, um, everyone's going to come up and, and test you. You're probably going to get um, more guys in the box. So the run game is going to struggle if you can't show to throw which it, theirs throw is. it over the top, which theirs is. Yeah. And so that those are the effects. I mean, I think like you're going to see press coverage. Receivers are going to have to work on it and you're going to have a more difficult time running the football. And that's just literally a numbers game. And and so Bryce is gonna have to and that's what I sort of saw out of New Orleans. They were like, Man, we we dare you to we dare you to throw the ball. Like even if like a bunch of too high, like go ahead and throw it. We got good corners, we got sticky guys. And you almost have to overcome that by getting in bunches, but getting in stacks, motioning. I didn't see a lot of pre-snap motion that game. No. You know, I don't know if he's not comfortable with it, which every offense is different. You know, there's some offenses that are really good that don't motion, but I think stuff like that, motioning from stacks and bunches, like all that stuff. So it's 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 uh, it's a work in progress for sure. Typically, the offenses that don't motion are the offenses that have a decided talent advantage on the outside. They're last year's yeah. Eagles, last year's Bengals, old yeah, Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers go. teams. When you're at a yeah. talent deficiency, not motioning probably isn't the best strategy. But even in this game, when they tried to use rub routes and picks – the Saints worked right through them like multiple different yeah. times. It was kind of crazy how good they were in either match coverage or man just being so sticky to those receivers throughout the entire game. We knew that, though. We knew that the Panthers were probably going to struggle on the outside with this receiving group. 
what they were supposed to do is have a decent offensive line. The entire group was coming back. The offensive line coach was coming back. That was a disappointing aspect of this game is that they're just not playing as well up front. I know they have a backup guard in there. I think two backup guards, but still it is not the performance, not the level of play you want to see from that group that was supposed to be a strength of this team heading into the season. Especially with a rookie quarterback, right? Like that, that's one thing. That's why I brought up the pocket movement because I kept getting views of him having to do that. And it's a good thing. He's not taking a ton of sacks. He's not just like sitting back there, just hanging on to the football. He has one of the um, lowest pressure to sack rates in the NFL so far. So the percentage of yeah, his pressures that turn go. into sacks, he is like the same as Patrick Mahomes right now. He's done a good yeah, job of so mitigating it. Maybe I'm onto something there. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's we're, we'll turn the page from the offenses that are struggling to offenses that are blowing the doors off of people right now. Mm. Let's talk about Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. Some some stats here as we get two games in from Miami. They lead the NFL in success rate on offense. So the percentage of their plays that are successful, they are number one. So they're the most efficient offense in the league. They also have the highest explosive play rate in the league by an insane amount. 70, 17.5% of their plays have been explosive so far. There is a bigger How gap much? between 17.5 of their oh percent gosh. of their plays. There, there's a bigger gap between them at one and the team at two than there is between the team at two and the team at 11 in explosive play rate overall. 25.3% of their pass attempts have gained 16 plus yards, which is double the league average. Last year, they led the league at 18%. Right now, they're at 25.3%. So just some context and perspective about how ridiculous this passing game has been two games into the season. So what have you seen? What has jumped out to you at going back and rewatching those first couple of games about what is really setting them apart right now? Speed. Speed. <laughs> Speed on the outside. Like, like you can talk about, like, I'm sorry, like, like, like. You can talk about all the different uniqueness of the offense, all the motion, all the out, inside out, outside it, like formationally, like, dude, it is speed. It is scaring the crap out of other teams. And you are seeing huge plays. It's not like every, the, the, the thing is that separates this offense. It's not like these huge plays. Now, there are some. Jalen Waddle on the sideline last game. Um, Tyreek had one, but like, it's not just like drop back and throw deep go balls. Like that, that is not the offense at all. And so that's what makes it. That's what makes it so much more impressive because it's speed. I mean, and that's something that that I mean, I think is one of the greatest head coaches of all time who in Andy Reid. Like that's that's something that he did and when he was like after that 13 and 14 season where we had no speed, they got obsessed. And you can see now like Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Cheeto was there like it is we can make you into a good receiver, but you can't teach speed. And so that is the underlying factor. Now, what else is going on? Well, it's just, it's honestly so different, the offense, and so unique where, I mean, I haven't even seen some of these concepts because they're doing stuff that, because it gives you speed, and two is taking a three-step drop in the gun, and you see Tyree killing a large or a huge angle route, and he's already in the angle. So it's like, you can run these route concepts that, maybe take a little bit time, more time to develop for other teams. You can run it with the Dolphins because that offensive line's playing pretty well. Oh, without, you know, Armstead as well, which I thought they played awesome, giving them some time to throw. But it's also just like, I, like Daryl Bevel to me is when I was with him in Detroit. He's, he's the quarterback, quarterback coach, coach for the Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. He's a quarterback coach for the Dolphins. When I was with him in Detroit, 
I thought he was one of the best teachers of the game and the quarterback position when he was Matthew Stafford. I was only with him for a year. And um, everyone's seen what Tua does pregame. He goes out there with Bevel, and Bevel reads them all plays, and he's out there going through, like, whether it's the first 15 or maybe some plays that it was, just the visualization. Like, to me, Daryl Bevel doesn't get talked about enough. Obviously, Frank Smith. Like, I love Frank. Like, I was with Frank Smith, the the OC, in um, uh, the OC in Miami. I was with him in 2012 when he was, like, quality control in New Orleans. So him and I go way back. And then obviously was the uh, Chargers offensive line coach in 2021 before he took the job last year. So I, like I, I'm very aware of their staff and everything. And um, man, like they are just, they're rolling. Like not only do you have a, a mix of that Daryl Bevel type Seattle type uh, Detroit offense that we saw Matthew Stafford was so good at. You also have the run game of Frank Smith, which the run game most went off, you know, last game. And then you have at the top level, you have McDaniel, like Mike, like he's just, he's a boss, man. Like in, you see his Shanahan um, style come out and the 49ers come out. They're using 21 personnel, but it doesn't look like 21 sometimes. So, it, I mean, all of that makes this offense unstoppable right now. And the Patriots tried some crazy stuff, like three safeties, like all that jam front five across and none, none, none of it worked. It was, it was, it was wild. None of it worked. What would be your favorite part of playing in this offense? The choices available to you, the concepts, like what is the easiest part as a quarterback in this type of situation? Speed. I'm telling you the speed it makes it, it I'm not ki- like I'm not kidding. So what is it's like what you does go the back- speed give you in terms of how you get to see things yeah. open up? What is it the way that it changes your process as a quarterback? What would be your favorite part of yeah. the process as a quarterback that is applicable to this offense? Yeah, the 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 speed gets you separation and that's something that you know these guys are very open. It's not like these are contested throws and also not only that but you see this little and, and they've they've actually done it a lot more this year. And they, they started doing it last year, this inside out speed motion by Tyreek mm-hmm. or by Craycraft or anything like that. And just that, like, it's like, how does a defense react to that? Uh, you know, Patriots tried to move the linebacker out and they hit a, they hit a wheel. They, they tried to move the corner out and they hit a little hitch route in between. So it's a little bit of both. It's the speed, it's the concepts, it's everything. And you can tell that it's being taught really well because I, it's an interesting offense and it's a comp it seems like a complicated offense in terms of reads because i see some of these concepts i'm like i don't know like if i'm I'm just sitting there putting myself in a quarterback room i don't know how i'd read this like how would i read this would i sweep the board would it be a pre-snap read would it just be hey just work this side because it's always going to be open and they're doing more pro pass read options than anything else everyone knows they were famous for the flat wheel seam route well this year it's a flat wheel stop route to tyreek and so they're getting people off in just a little stop and letting them get 15 yards. So it's just like stuff like that. Like it's just ever evolving. Explain PRO really quickly. How is that different than some other ways that you would approach stuff? Well, usually it's an RPO, right? Run pass option. Okay. So RPO is like, hey, if I'm just, you know, Nick Foles really started the whole thing, I think, in Philly, the his year that he won the Super Bowl. It was like very heavy type of RPO. He felt really comfortable in that. And RPO was like, hey, you got five for five on the offensive line. You're handing off. You're reading a second level key, maybe a linebacker or a safety down. And if that key just sort of gives you a, you know, a read that you're not sure, you just hand it off. Like just, and, and that's something that was always coached in all the rooms that we ran was like, hey, you are never wrong on an RPO 
handing the ball off. Like that is your safe haven. You're good with it. Like I don't care because we want to protect the ball. Well, now these teams are going to PRL, like I like to call it. Pass run options, meaning pass first, then run. There's some there's some looks. I'm gonna be completely honest. In the game, when Tua pulls a read and throws it, and I'm like, this is this is covered, like a cover two, you got a light box, like what are you doing? And it's wide open. Like he's just like, if there's any indication that I can complete this ball. I'm throwing it. And guess what? If I have to throw it away, so what? And if the run looks good, so what? Like, throw it first and then run it second. The wrinkles they have off of stuff, even after just establishing it for a week, right? So they're doing that quick out motion on the same side of the formation. And last week, it was a lot of getting their fast guys out on the perimeter. Tyreek was the guy going in motion pretty often. This week, twice on the same side on the right, they have either Alec Ingold or another running back run the quick motion. They have Tyreek sit down on a, on a little hitch instead of going vertical. So there's a wrinkle off that. And then at one point, it was Waddle and Tyreek on the same side. And Waddle was the number two receiver. And they threw a screen to him from that exact that same look. That was sweet. That it, was I, sweet, bro. It was my, I, the reaction Tyreke when I saw that play, out. I was like, oh my God. And that's and what makes this play. such a nightmare is that yeah, I'm, I'm sure it seems complicated, but them being able to put different guys in different positions and run the exact same concepts, but now it's 22 personnel, but it's pony. So what do you, how do you treat that? Do you play it yeah. in base? Do you not? All the different tiny little tweaks on these concepts where it's the same idea with one tiny little difference. It, it's what allows them to stay a step ahead consistently. And two weeks into the season, we've already seen them build on some of those core concepts that they had in week one, which is wild. Yeah, it is wild, and it it just shows, like, just you know, I mean, the the offensive mind and the offensive staff there is like we we know we're good, and we're just gonna mess with you a little bit, <laughs> and that that breeds confidence in the quarterback too. Totally. Like, and to into it, I go back and I watch this game. Uh, I I really just wanted to see the Patriots because the Patriots have been pretty good, at least at defending him, keeping him under wraps. And and honestly, the second half wasn't great for other than the Mostert run. Like it wasn't great for the Dolphins. But um, I I just go back to it. I'm just thinking like like Tua. It's not like he's making difficult throws. There's some throws he'll fit in that I'm like oh like a couple that I'm like oh no okay tight. But it's not like where you're seeing it and you're and you're seeing these stats and you're seeing these numbers but if you actually like go down and dig deep it's like by play design they're getting guys wide open it goes back to like what i think about the Shanahan tree it's by play design blight by speed but also i mean two is putting on a masterclass right now of quarterbacking and it's all his decision making because he has completely completely mastered the offense and he is throwing the ball more accurately than than I've seen him in the short intermediate. He he underthrew a couple deep balls. He had that throw to Tyreek where Christian Gonzalez went up and mossed Tyreek. Um, it was covered too. Like that that's a decision of all the snaps that I did that was like, okay, bonehead move, like move on. But he's just trusting his guy. And he's like, ah, whatever. Our defense will be fine. We'll get it back. We'll score anyway, which they did. So I, I just think Tua right now is is he's playing quick. He's playing fast. He's not holding the ball. He has a complete mastery of that offense and that's what makes these offenses so good and speed too if i haven't mentioned it if i could sit in on a meeting just just an offensive meeting quarterback room meeting of any team in the nfl this would be it without question just because i would want to see how they teach it 
I'd want to see yeah. what leads from point A to point B, him being so fast and so confident in making those decisions. Because I'm totally with you. There was a play. I couldn't tell if it was actually an RPO or if it wasn't when he threw a backside slant to Jalen Waddle in this game. And how mm-hmm. quickly he gets off the front side and comes back to Waddle on the backside is just yeah. you can tell they've drilled this stuff down so deeply where it becomes almost an eight the level of decision-making that you're seeing from him. And I would just love to see how the ideas are communicated, not only to the quarterback, but to the players in general, because they just have such a strong grasp of them. And it's so apparent every single time you watch them play. Yeah, it's impressive. And and another thing too, is like, like Tua has extreme trust in these, in these guys, like from Tyreek to River Craycraft or whatever his name is to like Ingle, like all these guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got it. Um, so learn names as we go because I now I have to learn thirty two teams rather than one team. Um, but just like the trust he has in all those guys is 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 cool to see because he's still throwing. Like River Craycraft made some amazing plays that game. Like he was like a legit number three guy. And um, yeah, I mean, I would love to be a fly on the, on that room. Maybe I might have to ask. You know, if they keep winning, I might have to text. Frank Smith and be like, yo, give me, give me something here to talk about <laughs> on our show because he's, he's usually pretty open, but it's impressive what they're doing down there right now. I wanted to do something about how they teach the ideas to the players. It was because one of the ideas I was really excited about this summer and uh, you might be surprised about this. They're not super keen on sharing that information down there in Miami. No. I think they're pretty, no, te- pretty every team. Yeah. It's <clears throat> not super, super excited about that idea. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Let's go from a team that I think we a lot of people expected to be very good on offense to a 2-0 team that maybe didn't have those sorts of expectations. And that is the Washington football team and what is happening right now with Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy. I'm curious, after watching this game, how much of this offense looks familiar to you? Because obviously you spent a ton of time in Kansas City with Andy Reid. Eric Bieniemy was the running backs coach there. He's now the offensive coordinator in Washington. So how much of this jumped out to you as familiar when you were rewatching the game? Almost all of it, honestly. Like, like I mean, listen, I was in the offense in its early days. And so it's evolved tremendously from 13, 14, and 15 because of the speed aspect and because mm-hmm. of 
Patrick Mahomes and because of what he wants to do and the RPOs and all that stuff. And EB honestly had a had a huge part in the building block of that offense because when the Chiefs <clears throat> had EB as the offensive coordinator, in the game plan meetings, it was literally EB and Andy Reid. And those are the two guys that were coming up with all these crazy concepts and all these crazy plays. And the run game was handled by Andy Heck, who's the O-line coach. But like, you know, a good part of it, the RPO was them. So it was a two-man team. And when I watched the game, I was, I was, I mean, listen, and this is how it, this is how it happens sometimes, especially your first year as an OC in a new, at a new team, you're going to bring the exact same offense over. You might call formations different, but you're bringing the exact same offense over and teaching it to them verbatim verbiage because it's what you know. So it's what you can teach. It happened to me twice. I went from, uh, I went from KC to Philly Mm -hmm. and Doug Peterson. I mean, identical offense the first year to a T protections, everything, because it's what he knew and they won a Super Bowl in year two. And then you look at um, when Nagy got the job in uh, Chicago. I was in New Orleans a year before. When I went up there, I was his first year with him. Exact same offense. Okay. When I was those three times, actually three, because I was in uh, New Orleans with Joe Lombardi. When Lombardi got the job in LA the first year, we changed how we called formations, but everything else was the same. There were some, there were some few verbiage changes, but... That's that's what he knows. That's what he feels like. But I, I was just more impressed with with Sam Howell and how he's handling the offense. What jumped out to you about that? Because I was also very impressed with Sam Howell and how he was handling the offense. I mean, Ron Rivera is a wizard, a genius. Like like you were able to see that Sam Howell, and it's only two games. I get it. Lower the expectation, but. I mean, you saw what he what Sam Howell had last year against Dallas, and you were like. He's a starter. Doesn't even need to be. It was not a competition. Like, don't, don't give me that. It wasn't a competition. It was like, hey, you're going to be the guy. And I almost like, like how he did it because nowadays people want to like, hey, it's a competition. You get, it would almost like let him build the confidence, build what he had with the ones uh, and with the first offense and get that camaraderie down. It's paying dividends for him. And and it just, I mean, he just looks calm. Like he just looked calm. He looked for a first year in the offense. I mean, they're doing some stuff now. It's it, that offense can become complicated, um, and, and obviously, you know, the big story in this game is just how many, how well they screened him to death, and that's just EB's genius. But I thought Sam just really, he just looked comfortable, and that 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 might not seem like a lot to the outsider, but I promise you, in that locker room and in that huddle. And in everything, it just seems like he's a chill dude. Like he just like nothing's too big for him. Like, oh, who cares? I had a sack fumble and whatever. We'll move on and go. And those type of attitudes at quarterback, when I've been a part of some stuff like that, like those are the best type of attitudes to have. His biggest strength at this point also seems to be his biggest weakness and that he's just going to stand in there and let it rip. And that's part of the problem is that he's taken a ton of sacks so far and he's gotten hit a lot. So he's taken 10 sacks so far this season. That stat I mentioned about Bryce Young, that pressure to sack percentage. Bryce Young's down near the bottom of the list. Sam Howell's number one in the NFL. About 36% of his pressures are turning into sacks right now. And some of them are worse than others. Like he took a bad sack on the edge of field goal range in this game, et cetera. But he also is standing in there and making some really tough throws as the pocket closes in. So I'm as a quarterback coach, as an offensive coordinator, 
you probably don't want to coach too much of that out of him because his willingness to stand in there and let some of these throws rip on some of these more vertical concepts is part of what's making this offense hump. I mean, he's standing in there till the last second, almost to his detriment. Like you said, um, I have three or four times in here. I was like, I literally wrote down, wow, stood in the pocket, got smashed. Next note, he got, he got harassed early in the game, no time. Like all, all these, and I'm like, okay, I'm seeing it like that. And it never seemed to bug him. And that is like probably for a young starter learning still how to play a game because he's only started, what, three games? This, this is his third, third game, start. Which is wild to me. Like that, that can't be like taught. Like it can be taught like, bro, don't get hit. We need you. It can't get taught like like just standing in the pocket and the courage it takes with these massive, massive human beings chasing you down and trying to legit legitimately kill you. Like that can't be taught. And so that that to me just showed, and it shows the team like, dude, this guy will stand in there. It shows the old line like, yeah, man, I got a dog in front of me. Like even if I lose, like he made a little throw, not a little, he made a throw on the right sideline. It was going left to right on a little cell corner route. And when I tell you, like, when he let the ball go, first of all, he took three steps. It was like off a of play action. He took three steps. And the dude, as he's throwing, I'm pretty sure they were touching face masks. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm pretty like oh, if not, like, really close. And he's throwing and he can't release it. And the ball doesn't come above five yards above the ground and just zip perfectly. I'm like, okay, that's impressive. And, like, the touch, the, the touchdown throw... Like I wrote, which one? Because both of them were okay. impressive. Yeah, but the yeah the ones of McLaurin especially the, the the first one to Logan Thomas was like it was exactly what the Chiefs run. If you watch them to this day, it's exactly what the Chiefs run uh, against single high coverage down the red zone. It's two little nod routes. Logan Thomas was a nod, took it across. That was good, like timing. The post route versus quarters that he threw. <laughs> Like it was, it was not only like a quarters, but it was almost like a quarter, quarter half where the the field safety was moving back a little bit. And I wrote like, okay, TD throw on post first quarter. Here's my notes. Lucky or great. And honestly, it doesn't matter because it was complete. Like it doesn't matter. Like the ball, like he was on the 30 yard line, the ball I mean, on a post route, it, he almost drove it like a bang eight, like a glance route. Like, it, it just had enough to get over the front safety and then barely got through from that drop kicking safety. And I just said, I had to re, because I was like dealing with my daughter and trying to watch. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this play, as soon as he let it go, I'm like, oh, it's incomplete. He threw it away. And then I, I go to the next play, and then the next play is like a new drive. I'm like, hold on. What? And he completed it because I didn't see it live. And I was just like, oh, man, like that was. That was impressive. Even the willingness to throw that ball is what jumps out to me. Like the conviction no. and the aggressiveness that he's playing in within that offense is really cool to see for a guy in his third start. And what's also awesome is that the playmakers within that offense justify the aggressiveness. When you're watching them play right now, they have so much heat coming at you in the passing game with Dotson, Samuel, McLaurin. And then you combine that the vertical element of it, which they have a ton of, and I think is going to be really fun to watch, which is a really well-designed screen game. And those two components in concert with one another makes for an offense that at least on Sunday was truly a pleasure to watch. Like going back through that, I was like, holy shit, this is good stuff. The out and up to the tight end and with 20 seconds left in the two minute drill was a beautiful throw. And even 
the the big plays are great, and I love that he's willing to stand in there and let it rip. What I was really impressed by in this game, they got behind the chains a decent amount. Couple yeah. holding calls, couple early sacks, couple negative runs, and how calmly they were getting half of it back, a third of it back, being able to still function offensively. There was a hold yeah. in the third quarter, made it first and twenty. He comes back, it's three by one, McCorn's on the backside, comes off the front side immediately and throws the little dig to McCorn to make it second and ten. It's not yeah. the biggest play in the world. It's not the most important thing in the world. But to go from first and 20 to second and 10 and see that sort of decision making in that situation from a quarterback in his third start, it's hard yeah. not to get excited about little stuff like that. Well, and it just tells me that it's being taught really well, too, right? Like, like EB is teaching it like he wants it. And, you know, all this storyline came out in EB. Oh, they're too hard on us. He's too this and that. Like, man. Look what, like, just trust them because I've been with them. I've, I've been with them for three years. Just trust them. And, and another thing you said, you know, those those getting behind the sticks, what I was impressed with, they were down 18 points 20 minutes into the game. Yeah. So on the road, third start for a new quarterback, like, you could easily go in the tank because I've been there and I'm like, man, this just seems so impossible to climb out of, like, insurmountable. But they scored 11 points the last minute 47 of the half, and I think that was a turning point of the game. They were somehow able to make it – it was 21-3, and they and at half they made it 21-14, 21-14, and I think it, it just continued to compound like that. Like, that to me – that to me was probably the most impressive. They were down early, were able to get things going, even when things were going bad, a sack turnover, like, all that stuff. Like, they just kept at it, which was cool. It was cool to see. The concepts that are just native to this offense, very fun to watch. I'm excited to watch it. It was also cool. They ran that same little wheel stop that you're talking about to McLaurin at some point in this game. And when you have the level of juice they have at receiver, straight up stealing from whatever the Dolphins are doing makes a lot of (laughs) sense when you have this skill set. So I was tepidly optimistic about this offense and about him coming into the year based on the way he played against Dallas last year, what he looked like in the preseason, the receiving talent that they have. I I was very impressed. I mean, really, the only yeah. thing that kind of leaves me, gives me some pause and makes me a little bit concerned is that he's just getting the shit kicked out of him. He's gotten hit 16 yeah. times in the first two games. Yeah. He got sacked four times in this game. Easily could have been six. He threw the ball away once uh, in a desperation heave with uh, <laughs> like about an inch off almost. the ground. Yeah, and then there was another sack that was negated because of a face mask. So that, his safety within the pocket is really my only concern after rewatching that offense because every other aspect yeah. of it looks pretty darn good right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 100%. Last one. Actually, I wanted to one more question about this. You mentioned this and I thought I think it's an important conversation. Okay. So you have Matt Nagy bringing the wholesale Chiefs offense to Chicago. You have Doug Peterson bringing wholesale the Chiefs offense to Philadelphia. What are the reasons that goes right or wrong? Why do some guys succeed when they're trying to bring certain packages with them? And why do some guys fail? Is just a failure to innovate over time when it comes time to tweak it, when it comes time to evolve it? Is that where the coaches separate in those situations? Yeah, I think it's a failure to innovate. And I also think it has to do with personnel too. Like not all teams are built the same. Not all teams are, you could have like a a new GM and a new head coach at one point. And this head coach is the offensive guy. He's bringing an offense over and, you know, the old GM built the team completely different than a pass heavy offense. It was almost like a running style off, like all that stuff matters. But I would say like over time, you have to be able to not only innovate, but you also have to be able to fit the offense that you're bringing to your skill set. Like, like we always said, like KYP, okay, know your personnel. 
And that's always was told to quarterback. Like if I got no offense to River Craycraft here, but if I have Tyree Kill on the right and I have River Craycraft on the left, and both are running go go routes, it's a mirrored route. And one of the guys, River Craycraft, is pressed, and Tyree Kill is pressed. Who am I going to throw to? I assume Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill. And so that is like, I mean, it, it sounds easy, but you'd be so, so interested to know the amount of quarterbacks that go into a plan that says like, hey, like if I have like a little slower guy, but he might be like pressed versus Tyree Kill's off and I want to throw a press route versus, I want to throw a go, go ball versus press and I have an off like, okay, even if it's Tyree Kill, like I'm still going to Tyree Kill. Like that's how I feel about Chicago's offense with DJ Moore. Like, I don't care what he is. Just throw it to that guy. He'll make you a better quarterback. <laughs> so it's the same with offensive innovation. Like you got to be able to innovate for the personnel you have currently on the team. So in Philly, obviously they take the next step forward. They lean into the RPOs in year two. They take the league by storm because of the innovation and the tweaks that they made in Chicago. Where do you think you guys ran out of road in trying to adopt those Kansas city ideas on offense? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, 18 was was really good for us, right? Like Nagy won NFL coach of the year. We were really good. We were 12 and 4, should have been 14 and 2. Could have been 14 and 2 easily that game that that year. Uh and then you go into 19 and I I think for that the unraveling was Mitch just didn't stay healthy in 19. He messed up his left shoulder and it just there's a lot of different things that go into it. I don't think the personnel fit as much as we thought into year two. Didn't have the playmakers like like they did in Kansas City when it was innovative and and stuff like that. And I don't, it, I mean, it just like I love Mitch, but it comes down to the quarterback in that offense. Like you see what Mahomes has done, even Alex Smith in his last year in that offense. Like it just, you know, there's some struggles there. And it's why it's encouraging to see the way that Sam Howell is playing this early in this offense and the confidence that he's playing with. I can, I'm excited to watch that game against Buffalo on Sunday like, yeah. in a way that yeah. I didn't necessarily think I'd be circling oh, heading into the season. Speaking 100%. of, last thing we wanted to hit today, we talked about Josh Allen, some of his struggles last week in week one. Things looking a little bit better in week two. It's a lot better from the Bills. What do you think biggest difference, so. biggest thing that encouraged you about their week two performance? Don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but after focusing on it so much last week, felt it was important yeah. to kind of readdress here in week two. Well, I'm just going to give you the checklist because I wrote it down and it was, <laughs> I could tell, I could tell, I mean, literally I wrote down, I can tell within 15 snaps, the game was going to go different. I watched 15 snaps and I was it. And the reason was Josh Allen, more calm in the pocket, way more. Okay. He scrambled a lot more in, in the back end. And just when I say scramble, he just made stuff work and he threw, threw the ball away. He was facing a much easier defense. <laughs> he didn't force things here. Here's a stat, which I think is the, the best stat in like for this, uh, conversation, they ran for 183 yards and they ran it 35 times. Okay. The first game they ran for 97 yards. They only ran it 22 times. Now that defense is a lot better, the Jets than the Raiders. But when you can run it like that, it takes the pressure off Josh Allen. And I literally just said, play design, play calling, etc. Everything was better. <laughs> those, those were my thoughts. Yeah, it's nice to see them kind of click into place. And I didn't think that the game against the Jets was going to be the norm. The Jets defense is very no. good. They're very good at speeding him up. But encouraging nonetheless to see them come back with that sort of performance in week two. All yeah, right. Impressive. That is all we got. 
As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next Thursday with another edition of In the Pocket, breaking down all things quarterback play from week three. In the meantime, please check out all the other stuff on the Athletic Football Show. Prospects to Pros is live on Wednesday. Please go check out Nate and Dane. We will be back on Friday with our week three preview. And if you have not checked out the Rossini Report, my weekly show with Diana on the our YouTube channel, please go give that a listen, breaking down all the biggest bits of NFL news every single week. We do it live on Tuesdays at 2 p.m., but it's also available whenever you want to watch on YouTube. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.